I'm going to invite you to turn in your uh, Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I believe that's page 962 in the Pew Bible. Uh, I was here in February and we were looking at the Beatitudes together. Uh, I was focusing on the first two Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, I want to press ahead a little bit far, farther this morning, reflect on the next two Beatitudes. Uh, but first, let's hear this entire uh, important section of Scripture together. Matthew chapter 5, the, verse, the first 12 verses. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Uh, so I am convinced that Christians don't do enough uh, reflection on the Beatitudes. Uh, we don't let them shape us, we don't let them uh, form us, we don't let them inspire us to think deeply about the kind of life that God blesses. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut once noted that vocal Christians want the Ten Commandments posted in courthouses and schools and city halls, but no one ever demands that the Beatitudes get posted anywhere. Uh, why is that? Maybe, uh, if we're honest, it's because we don't really want what the Beatitudes have to offer. The Beatitudes are blessings for the downtrodden, for the weak, for the powerless. They reflect on the human conditions of poverty, suffering, oppression, and injustice. Uh, Beatitudes are for people who find themselves in the situations that we work hard in life to avoid and not fall into. The Beatitudes, if we're listening carefully, they disorient us. They redefine and reconfigure what the blessed life really is. And as such, they invite us into the surprising, upside-down life of Jesus' kingdom. 
Uh, so let me summarize briefly what I said about the nature of Beatitudes last time. What, what is a Beatitude or what isn't a Beatitude? Uh, and briefly, Beatitudes are not commands. This is always the temptation to read them this way. Uh, become poor in spirit, become meek, become a peacemaker. Uh, but Jesus does not use imperatives. And Beatitudes are also not conditions, uh, which is another common temptation. If you are poor in spirit, you will get the kingdom of heaven. If you are pure in heart, you will see God with the implication, so you better hurry up and get to that or else. But Jesus doesn't use if-then clauses in Beatitudes either. Beatitudes are blessings from the king. They're, they're like declarations Congratulations! God smiles on you. God welcomes you. God comforts you. In Beatitudes, Jesus isn't primarily commanding or warning. He is announcing. This is where my kingdom can be found. These are the kinds of people who enter into it. And as he does that, he invites us into a new and surprising way of viewing the world around us. Uh, so let me just look at two more Beatitudes with you this morning. Uh, and the first one is, blessed are the meek. Meekness is not a trait that a lot of people aspire to. Uh, I don't know that there are a lot of coaches who rally their players to meekness when they are losing at halftime. Uh, politicians certainly don't campaign on their meekness. Increasingly, it feels like people are drawn to the politicians who are uh, more combative and even cruel. But Jesus places his blessing, his kingdom congratulations on meekness. Uh, blessed are the meek is definitely a surprise. Jesus does not say, blessed are the powerful. Blessed are those who are filled with self-determination, who take control and make things happen. He says the opposite. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who don't assert themselves over others. Blessed are the non-graspers who don't take matters into their own hands. Well, let's make sure we understand what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not passivity. Weakness is not, or sorry, meekness is not letting yourself be a victim. Meekness is actually related to gentleness. It takes strength to be gentle. It takes strength not to control and not to demand. Uh, I like to think of meekness this way. It is humble strength rather than arrogant strength. Jesus and his grace make us spiritually strong enough to be gentle with the people around us. Uh, the opposite of meekness is not so much power as it is haughtiness, arrogance, 
presumption. Uh, it's the idea, uh, you know, haughtiness is this idea that I have a right to things and therefore I have a right to control and exploit other people in order to get my way, in order to get the things that I deserve in life. Meekness recognizes everything in life is a gift. We don't deserve anything. When Jesus talks about meekness here, uh, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth, he's not having like a, a moment of spiritual brilliance, you know, uttering something that just popped into his head. He's quoting the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, he's quoting Psalm 37, which I wish we had time to read this morning, but I'll encourage you to read it later this afternoon. Psalm 37 is a psalm not to fret about evildoers. Uh, it says things like, trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord, be still and wait patiently for the Lord, and he will take care of the wicked, and he will take care of you. The meek, then it says, will inherit the land. Psalm 37 shows us that meekness is the courage, is the strength to wait for God to act. It is a deep trust in God's sovereign power that lets us be patient and obedient while we wait for him. So if we are not meek, what will we be? Well, we might be harsh in hopes of scaring people into doing the things that we want. We might be selfish, always looking out for number one, making sure we're not denied the things that we want. We might be vengeful, ensuring that anyone who hurts us gets their just desserts. We might be manipulative, trying to be the puppet masters in other people's lives to get them to do the things we want them to do. But the Lord Jesus blesses meekness. Uh, he also taught about meekness, turning the other cheek and things like that. But most of all, he practiced meekness. Uh, do you remember that story when they picked up stones to throw at Jesus, but he picked up the stones first and threw them at the people? Or that story where the townspeople took Jesus to the cliff to throw him over, but he actually threw them over first? There are no stories like that in the Bible. Uh, no, instead we get stories like Jesus being unjustly crucified. Jesus, who could have called legions of angels to his defense, but instead, what does he do? He prays, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And then he does what Psalm 37 says. He waits for God to vindicate him in the resurrection. That is not weakness. That is the strength, the gentle strength of meekness. Uh, we live in a world where people are becoming increasingly aggressive increasingly angry and controlling. We live in a world of zealots of every kind who want to fight, 
who want to take control and win and make what they want to have happen, happen. But zealots cannot live with this beatitude. Uh, Jesus had a zealot as part of the twelve, but he could not remain a zealot. He was one of the twelve who heard Jesus pronounce this blessing, this beatitude. Imagine being a zealot ready to physically overthrow your oppressors, rallying behind your king, and then hearing that king say, blessed are the meek. The meek accept God's providence and submit to it. Uh, And Jesus says, when you do that, you are blessed. And the blessing is that you will inherit the earth. You will get everything not because you've taken it for yourself, but because your Father has gifted it to you. Uh, To inherit something is the opposite of taking something for yourself or working for it. I, I always think of Jesus' words in Luke 12, Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you, to gift you the kingdom. A blessing is not something that you earn. It is something that you receive. It is not something you pry out of God's hands as if he doesn't want to give it to you. It's it's like the robe and the ring and the feast that the father lavishes on his undeserving prodigal child. When you understand that, you can become meek. You understand you are loved and forgiven, and you are so filled with gratitude at undeserved favor, you're not interested in taking control and making demands. In context, what Jesus is saying is, don't worry about what you lose in life. Be meek, and you will never be the one who loses out. God smiles on the meek. They have his favor. They will inherit everything God has for them. Uh, In a time when, to put it bluntly, many Christians are getting angrier and more combative, wouldn't it be wonderful if this is what characterized this community, uh, our reputation at Wiser Lake? We are meek. Not that we're Mr. Milktoasts, not that we become passive and let other people walk all over us, but we are known as being strong enough to be gentle with other people. Strong enough to be gentle with those with whom we disagree. Strong enough to wait on the Lord. Strong enough to receive each day as a gift, no matter what it brings. Blessed are the meek. Okay, and the next beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, Hunger and thirst are, you know, created conditions. Uh, No one is surprised uh, after that big meal where you say, I will never eat anything again for the rest of my life, that 12 hours later you are hungry and you want something to eat. Maybe it's not really 12. I'm not going to debate that right now. But uh, this is how God made us. We hunger for things. And there are lots of things we hunger for. Not just food, but meaning, purpose, 
friendship, intimacy, community, joy, beauty. God made us to hunger for these things, and God also made us to hunger for righteousness. And Jesus blesses those who hunger for righteousness. Righteousness can mean uh, different things in the Bible. Righteousness can be about our standing before God. Uh, I think most of us know that verse in Genesis that Abraham believed and it was counted to him or credited to him as righteousness, this great truth that in Christ we are declared righteous through faith in him. We refer to this kind of righteousness as imputed righteousness, the righteousness that comes to us as a gift. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, Often in the Bible, righteousness has to do with living in conformity to God's will. So it's not just a righteousness that we receive, it's a righteousness uh, that we live out. We are now, Paul says, slaves to righteousness. He calls us to flee iniquity and pursue righteousness. John says the one born of God practices righteousness. Uh, We could call this personal righteousness, righteousness that shapes our character and acts. Uh, One person puts it this way, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness long to live righteously. It is a passionate desire which begins with one's own life that all things should be lived in line with God's will. Uh, But righteousness is not just about private piety. Righteousness affects the whole community. Uh, Righteousness is actually a compound word in Greek. Uh, It's composed of two words, the words justice and together. Righteousness is being just together. It is being a just society. And we could call this social or societal righteousness. Uh, Blessed are those who long to live in a just and fair world. In a world where Laws and opportunities are applied evenly and fairly to everyone, regardless of their station or standing in life. Uh, My own view is that over the last few tumultuous years that we have all lived through and have the battle scars to show each other about, God has been showing that there are many Christians who do not hunger for that last kind of righteousness, societal righteousness. A lot of Christians who are unconcerned by injustice or the well-being of the vulnerable or the disenfranchised or unconcerned about the abuse of privilege and power like the prophets were. They are not hungering and thirsting for that kind of righteousness. And Jesus actually says, if you cannot connect with the brokenness of the world and hunger and thirst for that kind of righteousness, you are actually missing out on a kind of blessedness. 
you are not experiencing all of the hope and the comfort of his kingdom that he wants you to experience. So in its basic sense, righteousness is to be put right with God, with ourselves, and with other people. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst and long for everything to be made right. Well, I've been saying Beatitudes are surprising. They turn things upside down. What is the surprise in blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Maybe it's just that the Beatitude doesn't say blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who are always doing righteous things. Blessed are those who have it spiritually all together. Jesus said elsewhere, I didn't come to call the righteous. And actually, when people encountered Jesus convinced that they were righteous, it often did not go very well for them. But when people came to Jesus hungry for righteousness, thirsty for righteousness, recognizing they didn't have the things they wanted, and they lived in a broken world they couldn't do anything about, they received his grace. The hunger itself and the thirst for a world as it should be is pleasing to God. Uh, there's this interesting verse in Ecclesiastes. I know Pastor Nathan's talked a lot about Ecclesiastes, so maybe he's talked about this one, but it's always kind of jumped out at me. It's Ecclesiastes 7.16. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Isn't that an interesting verse? Be not overly righteous. Why destroy yourself? Uh, what's the difference between hungering for righteousness and being overly righteous? Well, I think being overly righteous is trying to make yourself righteous all the time. I'm going to do righteous things all the time. I'm never going to sin. I'm never going to fail. And if you strive for that kind of righteousness, the preacher from Ecclesiastes says, you're just going to destroy yourself. Uh, it, it's going to be terrible. But hungering for righteousness is different. Because before it's an action, it's a yearning. Uh, it's a yearning that moves you into action. You aren't trying to accomplish something as much as plead for something that then moves you to actually help bring it about. And I think hungering for, rather than doing, righteousness is in many ways the surprise of this beatitude. Uh, and the ending is a surprise too. For they shall be satisfied. It doesn't say, blessed are the righteous, they satisfy themselves with all their good deeds. Uh, doesn't say, blessed are the righteous. They study hard, give generously, volunteer regularly, never miss a church function. They don't need anything to satisfy them. They're already full. By these things, the, the Beatitude does not say, we satisfy and fill ourselves and put everything right. We don't put ourselves right. 
Uh, and by the way, all of those things, uh, scripture, giving, volunteering, uh, coming to church functions, uh, they're, not made, they're not ways that we're supposed to put ourselves right. They are ways that we open ourselves up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who then is the one who is putting us right. Jesus says, those who hunger will be filled. Not that they fill themselves, but they will be filled. Our hunger and thirst for righteousness opens us to the filling of the Holy Spirit of Jesus' grace and of the Father's love. Uh, no one deserves to be filled. No one earns being filled. No one merits being filled. It's a gift. It's a grace that's born out of God's mercy. Uh, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness uh, will experience the satisfaction that Christ offers. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6. Uh, there's a wonderful paradox here if you're catching it. Uh, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness, but in Jesus, we never hunger or thirst. So we have a longing that leads to satisfaction, but what does that satisfaction do? It increases our longing for Jesus and his righteousness, and then we are satisfied in him, which increases our longing even more. Every time Jesus satisfies us, it makes us hunger and thirst for him. Bernard of Clairvaux put it this way uh, in, a, in a hymn you might be familiar with, we taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. We long and are satisfied. We long and we are satisfied. Jesus satisfies our hunger for righteousness in all of its senses. He sets us right with God. He's setting us right by his spirit. He will set the world right in the end, and those things ought to increase our hunger and thirst for righteousness, not just imputed righteousness and personal righteousness, but social righteousness as well. Uh, I hope we can enter into the blessedness of meekness and the blessedness of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Uh, these may be uncomfortable for us. It's hard to be meek. Uh, it's hard to really long for righteousness. They will certainly be countercultural, uh, but they are the places where Jesus has declared that we are blessed and happy and satisfied with his fullness. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us to enter into uh, the blessedness of meekness and the blessedness of hungering and thirsting for all to be made right. Uh, we confess our struggles uh, in these areas. We confess uh, how easy it is for us to uh, want to be in control, be in the driver's seat, make things happen uh, because we don't trust you. How easy it is uh, to be unconcerned, to be indifferent about anything but what immediately affects us and our own comforts and lives and happiness. Uh, we pray that through meditation on the Beatitudes, uh, you would invite us and um, welcome us into a new way of being in the world uh, that really witnesses to your own life and character. 
And we pray all this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.